0: We believe in one God, creator, maker of all that is seen and unseen. You are with us always to the end of the age. God who was and is and is yet to be. We Welcome to the House for All Sinners and Saints podcast. We are a mission congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. The sermon is coming to you from Denver, Colorado. in your sight. You suffer. Um, Just a couple quick things. Um, The liturgical color is green for today. This is in no way an endorsement for or against either of the teams playing in the big game. (laughs) The other announcement is that with the arrival of our last four stragglers today, um, I think I won in our little non-wager wager wager, um, in the rules of The Price is Right, not having gone over but having guessed just closely to our attendance today. So, thank you, Jesus. Um, But in all, seriously, grace and peace to you in the name of our triune God. Amen. Some of you may have seen uh, my Facebook post from this week, um, in which I, uh, not dangerously, but, but... Um, cautiously took a picture of the license plate in front of me and and the holder on it said honk if you're saved I said well that's interesting Um, we might not perhaps have the same understanding of what what that means but I'll give this a shot and so I honked my horn (laughs) and then I got the finger (laughs) so there's that Bumper sticker theology like that sort of drives me crazy, except in those cases where I completely agree with it, of course. (laughs) The reason is it offers uh, a quick answer to complex questions. One of my least favorites of these sort of bumper sticker types of theology or, or the counsel that comes, it sounds like it is, God is in control got me thinking this week about a time a couple years ago. It was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was an on-call chaplain um, for Vanderbilt Hospital, for both the Children's Hospital and for the regular hospital. And so I never quite knew when I'd be getting a full night's sleep. Laura never knew if she woke up in the middle of the night and her husband was gone, um, where he might have gone, but she usually had a good idea that it was to the hospital. That night, um, I prayed especially hard, as I drove to what I knew was going to be a difficult situation. I arrived in a small private room, and there was two parents with the smallest baby I'd ever seen. He'd been born a few weeks earlier with a heart defect, and after several surgeries and the monumental effort of the doctors, his little body was giving out. His parents had requested a chaplain to come in and to baptize him before he passed away. They wanted the assurance of God's presence in and God's claim on his young life. And we shared a sacred space in that room with machines in the background as we did indeed remember the promises of God. We remembered those promises and talked about the way in which God binds us together by God's love and grace, and then we marked this child with the sign of the water. It wasn't too long after that he passed into the next life, and his life gently slipped away from this one. But even in the midst of such a difficult situation, even in the midst of the pain that those parents were feeling, I think each of us felt the embrace of God, and and each of us put our trust in God's presence and hope. Sadly, that sacred space that had been created, that sacred space that we shared together was shattered in an instant by the well-meaning words of a nurse who was attempting to comfort the family. Her words, God needed him more than we did. And then a little bit later she said, everything happens for a reason. So let me just begin by saying to anyone here who has lost a child or a parent or a friend or a lover or a relative or hell, even your keys and someone has said something like this in in hopes of comforting to you, let me just say, I'm sorry. These churchy phrases and others like them seem to me to be a stand-in for really wrestling with a feeling of God-forsakenness that we might experience from time to time. They are a way of avoiding the messiness and pain of human existence. This sort of wisdom works well until it doesn't. The certainties and quick answers are all fine and dandy until we are confronted with a situation that makes us question them and then question God. For those parents in that room that night to hear that God needed their son more than they did, to write off their pain as God simply needing another angel in heaven, also something I've heard way too often in these types of situations, is simply not helpful. It's also not helpful as we try to explore who God is. Because as we begin to scratch the, the surface of this sort of, and I keep using my quotations, wisdom about God, we find out, that God can prevent tragedies but chooses not to. We also discover that we human beings are are then no longer culpable for the pain and the suffering that we cause each other. If everything happens for a reason, if there's a plan out there, then all the tragedy we experience originates in the mind of God. The Holocaust, the atomic bomb... Tens of thousands tortured in Syria, genocide, Newtown, Columbine, Aurora, the loss of a child, all of it somehow is due to God's action or inaction. So it would seem to me then that God mets out blessings and curses either willy-nilly or that somehow, some way, one person or group of people is more blessed and or cursed than others. It's not too far from this line of thinking then for us to point to signs of God's blessing or curse. Pat Robertson is great at this. Every time there's a natural disaster, he, he finds an explanation within the, the, the landscape of the people, within the culture of the people to see that God is actually cursing them. But when we do this, we, what we do is we begin to create our own version of God. And Anne Lamott is quick to point out that the normal way to do this is actually to create God in in our own image. And that God usually hates all the same people that we do. So rather than thinking in terms of both blessings and curses and all of that being a part of some master plan in the mind of God, I'd like to offer an alternative way of thinking about it. Rather than us trying to discern the will and the mind of God using easy-to-go-to phrases that in the end mean nothing or even worse mean that which we don't intend, I'd like us to hear Paul's words about the cross. Paul was speaking to a church that was caught between two different ways of seeing the world. There were some who, who sought signs of God's presence through, through signs and through physical, tangible ways of experiencing God. And there was others who, who sought to, to experience the presence of God and know, to know God fully through the pursuit of wisdom. On the one hand, God's presence could be discerned in one stream of thought through the signs that one encountered. And for others, God's presence was, was discerned through study and through attaining ultimate wisdom. But call, Paul calls BS on, on both of these ways of discerning God's presence and activity in the world. And I suspect he'd call BS on that bumper sticker theology we encounter each and every day. He writes that instead of the wisdom that we would prefer to cling to, God has chosen a most foolish way to bring his presence and his power into the world. Instead of coming in some flashy way, God chose to quietly enter our world through his humble servant, Mary. God chose to embrace the fullness of human experience in Jesus. God even took on the most shameful way of dying in order to turn that shame and the power dynamics of our world on their heads. At the cross, God does not excuse the pain we cause each other, nor does God simply push it aside with the promise of forgiveness and a heavenly reward. Instead, on the cross, the incarnate God meets us. And as some of you in the catechumenate class may have read, at the cross, God makes himself present, hidden in weakness, vulnerable, suffering, forsaken, dying, In the abyss of despair, in the deepest darkness, comes God. Instead of God being some puppet master off at a distance, ours is a God who fully embraces us in our moments of pain, suffering, and anguish. Instead of humanity striving to find God as if life were some sort of Where's Waldo book, God foolishly comes into our midst in the least likely of places. God distributes blessing not based on how good you are or what wonderful things you've done. In fact, God's blessing probably doesn't look like what some toothy, slick-haired preacher might tell you. God's presence and God's blessing comes to us in the places we least expected, in hospital rooms and AA meetings and funeral homes and soup kitchens and war zones, perhaps not in Super Bowl end zones or with the new car or whatever else. There's nothing we can do to call that blessing down. Instead, we might be wise to hear Jesus' blessings from atop a mountain as an encouragement to become, instead of hearing Jesus' blessings on top of a mountain, as an encouragement to become meeker or poorer in spirit or to have more mourning in our lives. Perhaps what those blessings were about, perhaps what Jesus was speaking about on that mountain was an invitation An invitation to prayer and an invitation to take notice of where God's blessedness has already arrived. On this day, where we are certain to hear some star player thank God for the blessings of winning the big game, may we remember and be watchful for the presence of God in small ways and amidst our own struggles. May we remember the foolishness of God's coming in human clothing and taking on human death on the cross as we seek God's presence. May we hold together the brokenness of Jesus' body as we seek new ways of not only receiving but being a blessing to the world. May we do this in remembrance of the one who gave himself and the one whose broken body took on the foolishness of our world. May we do it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. You have been listening to the House for All Sinners and Saints podcast, Feel free to join us at our Sunday Eucharist worship service at 4 or 6. Yes, that's in the evening. Our 4 o'clock service includes a children's liturgy. We worship at the St. Thomas Episcopal Church in the Park Hill neighborhood of Denver. You can find out more about House for All Sinners and Saints at houseforall.org. And just like our friends at Public Radio, there is a place to donate to help keep the lights on and this podcast coming your way. Thanks for listening.